Hi guys, it's another episode of the Empty Stands podcast. I'm Ibuka, and with me on this one, it's Albert. My man, what's good? What's good? <laughs> Albert, it's been a minute, Toshi. <laughs> it's been a minute. We haven't done this in like what two weeks. I know, right? We've been waiting for a perfect week, and right now I'm just nursing my wounds. So, <laughs> yeah, we chose the the weekend that our teams lost to come together to to record this one. Interesting. <laughs> There'll be a lot of you know crying and hand holding, you know. But misery loves company, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was it was absolutely a depressing week. It was absolutely a depressing week. Well, that's why it's good to have other interests outside of football because you know my team did the usual but then uh, as a ferrari fan i was happy because carlos Sainz won the singapore grand prix so bro you know what on the on the con- on the contrary i'm i'm actually a red bull fan and Oh, really? not seeing, <laughs> okay. yeah not seeing my boy on uh on the stands yeah, man. it was really yeah. yeah it was it was heartbreaking you, you so. can't win them more sure. it happens it happens you know yeah but it's but you, you know the standings anyways this, this, is a football <laughs> podcast. this is a football podcast true true yeah. true <laughs> don't worry when, when it's an f1 podcast yeah we'll direct all our thoughts to it so i can't wait <laughs> All right, cool, cool, cool. It was an amazing, depressing. It had so many emotions this weekend, and we saw our very own Wolves take on Liverpool. Ipka, we've been seeing so many types of comebacks from the Liverpool side. What are they doing different this time? Well, it's a combination of the experience that they have been there done that and then the quality of players that they have because liverpool could be looking for a goal and then they train Idiogo jota if he didn't start the game or you're training gakbo training you know there's so much quality even the guys that like um harvey elliott's he's also a threat um curtis jones you know they're just players that liverpool will bring in and the whole game has changed. Look at the game against Newcastle where they had to come back from it being a goal down and a man down. Darwin Nunes came from the bench to score twice. You know, they just have it. I don't know what it is about them, but they just seem to have it this season. And looking at the game against Wolves, Wolves took the lead. Wolves should have been tuning up. Uh, Matus Kunha needs to get his head checked because he, he missed an absolute sitter. And Pedro Neto was like a terrorist <laughs> in the first half. He wanted to eat the whole Liverpool defense, especially um, Joe Gomez. He wanted to eat them alive. It's crazy. So, you know, Liverpool just did what they what they are known for. You know, yes, you're down, but what can you do? You pick yourselves up. You understand that, yes, you are the better team. You need to do better. And have your big player step up. Look at Mo Salah popped up with 
two and a half assists. <laughs> the last goal would have been an assist for him, if not for uh, it being given as an own goal. So, you know, Salah just stepped up and did what he would normally do. You saw people like um, Andy Robertson popping up with the goal. So, and if you look at that goal, it was just him picking up the ball, giving it to Salah, just running through the Wolves defence and getting it back. Like, Liverpool just have that. They have the experience and they have the quality. And that's why you've seen them come back, what, three times in their last four games. So, I, I think it's early days, but it looks like they will be in and around that title conversation. I know, Albert, it's too early, but it just looks like it. And trust me, in the early minutes of the game, Wolves were really at it. I saw Pedro Neto and Hichan switch flanks and still be threats at different flanks of the pitch. And that actually cost Liverpool a bit of trouble. But right now, we see how Klopp is literally experimenting with players. Because in this game, we saw Cody Gakpo start um, up front. Or are we looking at a bit of a false nine strategy here? What's club doing right now, Chris? I feel it, there's a bit of experimentation going on right now in the team. I, I think uh, club is trying to see if he can go back to what it was before with Firmino as that uh, false nine-ish player that was, you know, dropping deep and linking up the play. He's trying to see if Cody Gakbo can be that person because the... Darwin Nunes experiments, you know, it doesn't work all the time. You know, there's a bit of inconsistency with Nunes because he's still trying to find his feet in the league. So he feels that Gakpo can be that person. It's usually, um, you know, Gakpo, Jota, or Nunes that plays as the the nine. But he, I think he has a preference for Gakpo because if you look at the lineups since Gakpo has joined and even at the start of the season, you know, he's featured prominently in the Liverpool squad, even though, yes, at, at the point he was playing a bit, you know, behind the, the attackers. But he wants Gakpo to be that link and it's good for him that he got a goal to boost his confidence and, you know, give him that assurance that he's doing the right things. It's going to be very important for Liverpool going further into the season. But I, I think he's doing that because Nunes is just not it yet. And if Nunes can become what Klopp is looking for, then you know Klopp will have a very interesting problem where he has um, Gakpo or Jota or maybe both on the bench and he's trying to figure out you know who's going to start and all of that. But yeah, Liverpool had a very good, uh, very good outing against Wolves. Looking very solid, and yeah, Liverpool fans can be very excited. And that's great to know, man. That's great to know. Yeah, but you know, that's your enemies being excited. You know, it's not really fun times for us, Albert. You are going through a lot, don't you think so? My heart is breaking here, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, Ulu and Ovo, they are like Liverpool fans that have very different opinions. So I always like when they are arguing on the TL. Before um, Liverpool got the equaliser, they were both insulting each other and talking about how, because Ovo is a big Curtis Jones fan, talking about how Curtis Jones was not doing enough. And I was just there, like with my popcorn, enjoying the fight, being a good hitter, as we all should be. But then Liverpool found a way back. But then, uh, Albert, your team, you guys couldn't, <laughs> you guys couldn't do it this weekend. Like, I honestly thought that Man U was going to do it against Brighton because 
I don't like Brighton. I hate Brighton. I don't hide it. But, you know, Brighton coming to Old Trafford, I felt, you know, no matter what Brighton have done in the past, this is Old Trafford, this is Manchester United. You guys were unleashing your brand new striker, Rasmus Hoyland, to the world. And I thought, ah, man, it's going to be a tough one for Brighton. It turned out to be rather easy, don't you think? First of all, I'd like to give Roberto De Zebri his flowers. Because trust me, what happened at Old Trafford can happen to anybody. And what Brighton did to, Old Trafford, did to Manchester United, they could do it to literally any club. And they could make any club look terrible. Like if they're not on their if they're not playing 100% against them. Uh, Manchester United, actually, on the first 10 minutes, were actually good. They played absolutely well. But now, I don't want to say the problems are coming from off the pitch and on the pitch because there's a mix of both, right? There, one, we, are, we have a possession problem. Now, it's so hard to see the team actually hold the ball these days, like, and actually press on it's ah, man like literally i was worried i've been worried since the beginning of the season right like we haven't been amazing we haven't been 100 we haven't been playing at our best we have a long injury list i could actually just list out different excuses but there's so much high expectations for manchester united and seeing danny welbeck score his fifth goal against his former club actually wasn't a nice look but yeah we have key players right now that are not stepping up to the occasion and like likes of rashford bruno fernandez they are not stepping up to the occasion we have new signings that haven't really they haven't really blended well into the team um i was wondering uh i didn't know regular was going to start this game it was a bit surprising to see him start then when we had Wan Bisaka now Wan Bisaka is injured uh even on the right wing I was expecting I literally I was expect and there was so much word going out that it was going to be uh Facundo that was going to play Pelistri that was going to play on the right wing because we've been expecting him to actually play um on the right wing but like we didn't see that happen actually Bruno Fernandez played at the right wing so there's a lot happening right now in the team that is just uh, is just so annoying, man. Yeah, Albert, I want to ask you about what you just talked about. On Twitter, we all heard that Pelestri was going to start. Now, yeah. then we got to see that it was actually Bruno Fernandez that was going to start on the right. Do you think that left a gap looking at how dominant Brighton were coming off that um, their left side, which was uh, Manchester United's right, because you had Tarek Lamptey, who had a very good game. <laughs> he popped up with like two assists or something. Like he had a very good game, and then there was Mitoma, right? So this is where where I'm getting at is, do we question the manager? Because it kind of felt like the wrong decision. Oh, definitely. I think every Manchester United fan will look at the lineup and try and fix it, right? Which want to put certain players in certain places. Now, I think last season we had, we could put 
um, in McFred, despite having Casemiro, or, or Fred to pack partner Casemiro, or yeah, McTominay to partner Casemiro, because we know that they are both like holding midfielders. Where now we also have that conundrum of Bruno Fernandez, Ericsson, and Mount actually play in the same play the same uh, positions, right? So who actually gets to start when you have Bruno Fernandez and Christian Eriksen on the same um, pitch? So maybe we'll take out Eriksen and put Fernandez in the number 10 position. Now, we don't have Anthony. We don't have Sancho. So who's the next option? So we have Pellistri. Now, it's based on the manager to say, okay, do I trust this player enough to start him? So that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping to see that trust, right? And I think Pelletri will be on the bench and be wondering, okay, what's happening right now? Like, doesn't the manager trust me enough? Because during preseason, he was really amazing, right? He was an outstanding player. He was one of our outstanding players during the preseason. So I was really hoping to see Pelletri start the game, but he didn't start the game. Or maybe even, like, let's say, he doesn't trust Pelletri enough. He could try um, Ganacho, despite the fact that Ganacho is a left winger, right? Uh, he could also try him there because, one, he's young and he's excited. He could also cause problems. But if God, just think about it, man. We had um, Dezebri made over six to five changes. Like, this is not even the main starting eleven of Brighton. So that's why the players that we selected, right, we didn't need to go down like this. We didn't need to lose this game like this. It was quite an emotional game for me, just watching us lose at Old Trafford. I can imagine the pain, because, you know, it's... Anyway, I'm a Chelsea fan, so pain is like a default setting for us. One player I want to talk about, Albert, is Rashford. Now, Marcus Rashford is, you know, maybe your best or second best player depending on you know who you prefer he had what 30 goals last season you know quality players he's that man for you but then we're hearing things like oh he's a purple patch player he's his style of play is actually hampering the team and when i when i saw that i saw that comment on twitter where someone talked about how rashford's style of play is affecting the team and his explanation was you know Rashford is the person that gets the ball and drives at the defense. He just wants to drive at the defense. But then he he's not looking to play pass for the striker. He's not looking to create anything. He wants to be the one to finish it. And because he's picking the ball from deep and running at the defense, it's like he's trying to do it all by himself. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Do you think Rashford is harming the team by playing the way he does and do you think a player like Hoyland, you know being in that in that situation can still be able to get the goals that he needs for Manchester United and this is where we come to the terms of expectations right there's much that's expected of Marcus Rashford the player that he is he just came out of uh, he got 30 goals last season right so he believes he's that player that can push past the 30 goals. And in times where you see that there's a bit of turmoil in the team, right? I believe that the players are feeling the pressure, right? They're feeling the pressure of the media, of the pundits, of the fans. 
saying that my club isn't playing so well. Why aren't we scoring goals? So this is where you see players trying to uh, affect the game. So if Rashford, who who was uh, who started as a points man in few games this season and didn't do so well, now playing in his favorite position on the left, he needs to be able to show that he can cause these problems. He needs to be able to show that he can cause these problems. He needs to be able to show that United are a threat also. But yeah, it's also in the gameplay, right? Like, if the it depends on how the manager wants you to play. Like, he can't imagine Rashford right there being trying to beat a defender. Do you want him looking at the right wing to see if he's going to pass the the other right winger? He's trying to beat the defender, right? And oh, good, like we can see strikers that also want to like poach, right? So if he if he plays, if he beats the defender, if he doesn't beat the defender, the keeper pushes the ball out. There's always a chance for a Rasmus Hoyland to re to play the rebound. So yeah, I think Rashford is still it has there's so much expected of him, and he's that's why he has he has to be the player that he actually is. He's the player that actually causes threats in the United squad. Also, right now, United is that team that very few players are providing the result, right? Very like over like maybe five to twenty to ten percent of the players are providing the result, are driving the results. So Rashford is one of them. And if he's not being a threat, then the whole team is just lackluster, basically. I feel you. I feel you. Um, it's a lot of pressure on him. I just hope that he can deliver because I really like the guy. I think he's a very good player. Uh, hoping that the manager figures it out so that we can get to see the best of Rashford. Uh, hopefully, man. Hopefully. Another exciting player within the United squad. Um, I think right now, Hoyland is one gem that. Like, I can't wait to see him succeed based on his aggression. Like, I saw him in the Arsenal game and I saw him in the Brighton game, despite two losses. But I could see that he's one to, to actually bring in that aggression, right? He's one to actually hopefully shine in, United, in, the, United, in the United shirt. Um. Yeah, I and I saw his excitement his excitement when he scored the disallowed goal. And that was it was really beautiful. So fingers crossed for the new signings, right? Fingers crossed for them. Moving to moving to another exciting team to watch, man. Um you saw the Tottenham Sheffield game, right? Like, please tell me, tell me Tottenham is not like it's not an exciting team to watch, man. Like, they are so... Ah, come on. You know the worst part? Like, for, for Spurs, like, their results pain me more than anyone else. Not because of any beef or anything like that. It's because of the manager. And I'll explain why. I think I said this maybe on the last episode or the one before. Chelsea were linked to... And Postecoglou, <laughs> I like the guy's name. So we're linked to the guy, and 
you know, Chelsea fans were, you know, to be fair to them, Potter gave us, you know, PTSD. So everyone's up in arms. Who's this guy? What kind of rubbish is this? We don't want this guy. We want someone that is a familiar name, someone who has that pedigree. Now, we went with Poch and I followed Spurs from their preseason games because I was, I, I was like so invested in finding out about this guy everybody was saying the, the right things i listened to podcasts they were doing specials on him and then watching their preseason games i was like okay these guys are not playing badly but you know it, it just wasn't all clicking as it should coming into the premier league he's just shown us you know how good he is he has transformed spurs in such a short time now again i hope it can you know be you can last because you know how all these things are. We hire people and then when it gets to November, people <laughs> the form starts to dip. But I hope I hope he can last because he's he's doing so well. I honestly thought that game was beyond them, but then the magic of the Premier League, injury time <laughs> as we used to call it. This guy is, you know, he, he his team just finds goals from, from nowhere. We everybody's giving Richarlison so much stick, or everybody was giving him so much stick, but he popped up with the equalizer. Like, can you imagine? Like Richarlison of all people popping up with the equalizer. Like that was such a moment. And the moment they equalized, I felt like, nah, these guys are going to win it. And it didn't even take so long. <laughs> Kulusevski just found himself in the box. Perfect first touch. You know, he hit the. It, it was just a very good goal, and I felt bad for Sheffield because they worked so hard. You could see that they had given everything, like they had given everything. They had nothing else to give. They just needed some angel to protect them for the last few minutes and let them get get the win at at least a point. But it just wasn't to be, and that's the cruelty of football. Spurs are so good right now. Spurs fans are buzzing. I have a couple of friends that are Spurs fans. They are buzzing. Like one of them was at my house a few days ago. I think that was like, oh no, it was a while ago, maybe two weeks ago. And he was talking about how, like, oh yeah, Spurs, you know, good season so far, unbeaten team and all that. And I was like, ah, okay, you know, no, Jesse has humbled me, so I can't even, <laughs> I can't even talk anymore. But I'm really happy for them. Uh, they play good football, as you said, and let's see how far they can go. Now let's let's talk about the the champions. You know, Albert, you saw City win the treble last season, and the thought was, can they really do better than this? Like this is the height. You can, you can't do more than this, right? But <laughs> City are trying to tell us now that. You guys, calm down. It's still early days, yes, but they're trying to tell us that we should calm down. Do you think, looking at City's um, first five games this season, where they've won all, and then you know the first five games of last season where they won four, I think the one they drew was that 3-3 against Newcastle. But do you think City are looking maybe a bit more dominant this season than they were last season? Uh, is there a possibility that maybe we should be having, you know, back-to-back treble conversations? See, we got the issue right now is, and I don't know, I might get so, many, so much pushback, 
Like City aren't even looking that good. They aren't looking that good. Um, despite the fact that Haaland has been scoring, there are games that he has played that he he has been struggling to get certain chances, right? But he still he still pushes and he gets his goals, right? So like right now, it's the team is still trying to rebuild. They're still trying to get players, replace players that they lost. But they are still, they are still playing so well. They are still like topping the, the 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 Premier League right now. It's it's ridiculous, right? It's so ridiculous seeing, like what I can say. I can base one on experience, right? Like Pep has set the standard. Now the players have to follow the standard. So now they have the winning mentality and they are holding on to it. And it's so exciting to see players join the team and get that winning mentality instantly. I saw Jeremy Doku's goal and I was like, oh, wow, he's popping already. It's exciting to watch. Um, Alvarez is now magic, man. Don't even... He's, he's, he's magic right now. I, 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 last year when I watched Alvarez play, I was like, okay... He's amazing, but his second season is going to be a bet, even better season, right? He's popping right now, but they aren't even their best yet, right? Like, I think the I think Pep has already set the standard for the team, and that's what they're following right now. Then that's all I can say, man. Like, that's all I can say. They are they have the winning mentality, they have the winning mindset, like. It's okay to say that man, they are not coming down from that table anytime soon, man. Unless Tottenham has something to say or Arsenal has something to say right now. But they are in the driver's seat right now, even when they are not at their best. Like, let's see how the season goes. Like, once we get to January and they are still there, come on, it's a done deal, you know. It's a done deal, man. Like yeah, <laughs> we're looking at another Premier League win. That would be an insult to me because it just shows that you know you're having one team that's winning the title consistently. What are the other teams doing? I I, I wouldn't like that. Even even though it seems like they're likely to win it, I won't like it because it just it kills the excitement when you already know City will win it again. No, no. Yeah, it turn it will turn the Premier League into the Bundesliga. I swear, because <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're already a farmers league. To be honest, Haaland turned the league to a farmers league last last season, so I won't be surprised. And the, the the beauty of the Premier League is that we have teams like Brighton, mm, true, true, Brighton United, true. Yeah, we love to see that. Oh well, yeah, as a neutral, <laughs> not as a Manchester United fan. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we we do love to see things like that. Um, there's a player I wanted to talk about, and that's um, Jeremy Doku. You know, joined City for a significant amount of money, and um, we saw him get his first goal against West Ham. Do you think Jack Grealish should be worried? Because you know, Jack Grealish has a very yeah. Different style of play to Doku. Doku is a bit more direct, while Grealish is a bit more. Anyway, I don't like Grealish, so the word I want to use would would be seen as harsh. What do you think about Doku? 
Uh, Doku is exciting. It's exciting to watch. It's exciting to... He's, he knows how to beat defenders. And and just looking at his physique, he's really aggressive on his own. So seeing, that, seeing his goal against uh, West Ham was really um, pure... Was pretty pure gold actually. Now talking about Grealish, right? Now, like every player in Man City, right? Um, every player in Man City is is up for changes, right? Like Pep can wake up one morning and feel that maybe Ederson can strike, <laughs> and he just puts Haaland as a keeper and Ederson as a <laughs> as a striker. Uh, but anyways, jokes aside, right? I'm just saying, like, the Man City team is one where there's a replacement for every player, or yes, and in in different positions, that is Pep fortifying his entire team. So if Doku doesn't play, then Grealish will play. If Grealish doesn't play, then Doku will play. Like d- different players can play um, certain forward positions and even in the midfield. But one thing that Pep knows how to do is to fortify fortify his squad, ensure that his bench is of the utmost quality, and yeah, it's and it's one team that everyone has to fight for their positions, right? So, trust me, there, there's quality on the pitch, there's quality off the pitch, and I'm not worried about any player because the they they also have healthy rotations, right? Right now we see that. The injury list for City right now is De Bruyne, Jack Grealish, Matteo Kovacic, uh, John Stones. Uh, so, so I just mentioned these players, right? But still, um, City is still going to different clubs, different parts of different cities in um, different cities, and actually still winning games. So you see how they are not one that re- they, they are not relying on just one player. And that is what other teams like United are. They were just relying on one player to prov- produce the results. But no, City is a well-oiled team. And yeah, no player uh, should be worried about their positions. Everyone is going to get their fair share of a healthy rotation. Yeah, you know how last season we we're talking about how Alvarez was too good to be on the bench and everyone thought people even used to push the agenda that Alvarez was the second best striker in the Premier League even though he was always on the bench um, for City in favour of Haaland Pep has come in this season and is like okay both of you play together <laughs> and Alvarez has made it work like that guy is fantastic Ah, come on how does City find all these guys Ah. And you see, you just said it. How does City find all these guys? Now, running a football club is not about just playing on the pitch, right? From the owners to the scouts to the, to the recruitment, man, that's how it is. I, I feel like I feel like you're about to shade Chelsea. No, no, no. See, see, I'm not hating on Chelsea. And right now, the thing about Chelsea is that Chelsea is a blank slate right now. And let's be honest. Um, if any Chelsea fan right now has high expectations of Chelsea right now, I think it would be unfair, despite the amount that has been spent to bring in new players that are still growing, that haven't made their mark. 
So Chelsea is still a blank slate. Poch still has lots of work to do. Think about it. Poch doesn't even have his starting eleven, And I don't blame him. He doesn't have his starting eleven, And I don't blame him. You, Chelsea has a striker that is, that is not seasoned. Like a striker that isn't seasoned right now. Despite the fact that, yes, the number nine position has always been a curse for Chelsea. But still, other positions are actually are actually suffering. We're still yet to see the we're still yet to see Modric bring some magic to the team, right? We haven't seen that. And I know you everyone has maybe everyone has is tired of talking about it because it's like ah man, it's just one of those things that you talk about and you just get tired of talking about it. To finding out that maybe we made wrong recruitment, right? So yeah, so much has happened in Chelsea. I know you you have a better insights to Chelsea's um, issue than mine, that than me. So so you can shed more light on that, man. Uh, it's it's been a very humbling year of football. I'll be honest with you, very humbling. Chelsea fans are known to be notorious noisemakers. But now we are actually very humble. We go into group chats, we are quiet. You know, people are talking, we are quiet. We are just observing because we know that the banter will soon reach our side, <laughs> and it's crazy. Like so, for me, I think there are just um, a few things that I need to address. One is that we need to accept that whether you believe the papers or not that we've spent about a billion uh, since last year, since Jonas came in, it, this is like the worst way to spend a billion, if I'm being honest. Because if you had come to me, or not even me, any Chelsea fan, and you had said, you have a one billion pound budget to blow over three transfer windows. The way, see, Albert, the way I would change this team because these guys are planning for the future, and I get that. But I have an issue with how they're going about it. They're spending big fees on young players. That's my issue. You're not buying, like, some 18-year-old for 5 million, 7 million. You're buying some 18-year-old for 15, 20 million. Why? And the problem, the worst part is not even that. The worst part is, it seems like they don't even know how exactly. There's no plan for these players. And I feel bad for these players joining the club. Because it doesn't feel like there's a plan to say, guy, this is where you are now. And in a few years, this is where you're going to be. It just seems like we're trying to... Do you know we have so many right wingers (laughs) that we've bought? (laughs) Most of them are alone. And if you look at the age bracket... They are all very close to each other in terms of age. The youngest is um, Kenji Pires, who is 16. Like, you can't keep having, you know, 21-year-olds battling with 21-year-olds, battling with 19-year-olds in the team. Because it creates this issue of, where, where would these players be in five years? But if you had given me a billion to spend over three transfer windows, I would have gone to Milan, signed Rafael Liao. I would have put myself in the in the running for an Mbappe, whether that's going to happen or not. But I would just I would be in that conversation. Like I would 
go to Bayern and tell them, okay, what exactly would it take to bring Musiala back home? So that's because he, he came from uh, Chelsea. Now, I would be talking about getting the best of the best. Even if you want to sign young players, I would go, I would look, who is actually the best in class? Who is the best in this? And I'm going to go for that player, right? You're, you're going for players that can deliver now because you need to have a solid today to have that bright future that you keep promising. Because the truth of the matter is, with the way this team is going, that future that we're walking towards, we might never actually see it. Because it, it might be two years without European football, three years without it. So at, at that point, you know, how how much have you deviated from your grand plan? Now it's 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 a terrible one. And there's so many people at fault. And you know, the the directors, you know, they, they put out some interview on the website recently talking about strategy, and I'm like, these guys are just seeing rubbish. Some people liked it. I mean, it's fine if you do, but me personally, I just don't care about what they're saying. I'll, I'll talk about the manager now, right? So, Poch was the guy that had the pedigree. And because of the options that were available, it was kind of like the club wanted us to accept Poch. Because Poch was in the running with, I think, Ange, Postacoglu, and um, there, was a, there was another person that wasn't so um, popular. I think it was maybe Anis Lotus. There was one other young manager that they were trying to get in. Now, Poch was the most experienced, better CV, and all of that. So, Chelsea fans just had to accept. And the Chelsea owners, in their own very creative way, they stayed getting the right journalists to say good things about Poch. It was all Poch this, Poch that. And preseason was really good, to be honest. We had a good preseason. We came into the regular season. The manager starts doing things that are funny. And everybody's looking at him like, who are you and where did you keep the old Poch? Because you came up with this Colwell at left back, Chiwell at left wing thing that we did not all understand. And see, to me, I still, Albert, I'll say it anyway. That game against Liverpool, that draw should have been a win because I was bragging to my Liverpool friends that we're going to beat the hell out of them. Because I watched, I watched like almost all Liverpool preseason games. I saw that they were open. All we needed to do was keep a natural wide man on that left and trust me, we're going to be Liverpool. But anyway, that ha- it happens. The manager did what he did. And we carried that into other games. The excuse was, oh, it's Liverpool, you know, tough opponents. We saw it again against West Ham. We saw it We saw it against Nottingham Forest. We've been seeing it consistently. Right? Seeing Chiwell at left wing. We've been seeing him pushing Enzo further forward and ruining our build-up because you're putting a Galaga or a Caicedo to be in charge of your progression, which Caicedo can do, but it's 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 not as epic as when you have Enzo pulling pulling the strings um, from deep in midfield. There are players that, you know, it feels like the manager just likes them and then no matter what, I'm not going to call any name, but no matter what, it seems like they're just going to be in that conversation. They're going to start games, whether they like it or not. And you talked about the striking problem. Um, yeah, Jackson is not doing well. But to be honest, and people might not agree, any striker you put in there will struggle. Because I said what the problem was in the summer. We don't create volumes. We don't have a player that connects it all together. We don't have a player that is that creates chances. We need players that create chances. And Chelsea fans said, we need a DM. 
I said, ah, what are we protecting? We scored 38 goals last season. So why are you trying to get a DM? To protect what? And he said, oh, no, we need a DM. Once you have a DM, the attacking players can attack. Okay, no problem. <laughs> I can argue again, right? But what we've seen this season is the team is still struggling to score because the team is struggling to create good chances. You can talk about how Nicholas Jackson has missed X number of big chances created. Victor Oshimen last season for in Syria had the highest number of big chances missed, right? He I think he had about 20, 24 or so. I think it was 24 big chances missed. Then Lataro Martinez was second with 19 or something. You could start like that. And I said, if you if a striker at Chelsea should miss 20 big chances, they'll kill him. <laughs> because that means we are losing. But Oshiman is in the team where he can miss a big chance and he will still score. Lataro Martinez, for all the hate that he gets, he scored 28 goals in all competitions last season. And this season, he has started well. That's because he's not relying on, you know, peanuts or scraps. He knows that it will still come. Quality chances will still come. But at Chelsea, it's not like that. And it puts a lot of pressure on these strikers. And that's what people are forgetting. I asked Chelsea fans, okay, when was the last time you can remember a Chelsea striker missing one-on-one chances for fun? And everybody keeps quiet. Because the only one that we can remember is Avaro Morata in like 2018 against Arsenal because he missed three one-on-one chances. Like, it's difficult for these guys and it, it affects them. But everybody shouted that we needed a DM in the summer. And what did Chelsea do? We signed Caicedo, we signed Lavia, we signed Ugochuku. Oh, yeah, now let's secure the defense. The defense that was, <laughs> I don't feel was the issue because it's, it's, it seems like, oh, Kepa is a problem. Kepa, Kepa is bad. Uh, the defense is bad. This guy made a mistake because we cannot score. Against Nottingham Forest, we lost 1 0, right? And everybody's talking about how, oh, Sanchez was. Anyway, Sanchez, I don't think that guy is a. Anyway, you know, I don't like Brighton, so it's not my fault. But I don't think Sanchez is a good goalkeeper, but I don't like Brighton, so maybe that's why I'm biased. But people talked about how Sanchez didn't do enough against Nottingham Forest for the Elanga goal. But that's because we did not score. We keep focusing on this defensive mistake, this error, that error, because the team cannot score. So, I hope everyone is happy with the multiple DMs that they have. It's all the protection that they need to keep not scoring. <laughs> but, gee, trust me, man, guy, if I'm talking about Chelsea, we could talk about it for hours, man. It's a terrible position that we're in. And um, it doesn't seem like it's going to get better, to be honest. Everybody's waiting for Nkuku. Okay, we're still here. Uh, Albert, we'll be, on, we'll be on an episode talking about it when it happens, so it's all good. Let's talk about Arsenal, man. Let's forget about Chelsea. Let's talk about Arsenal. Guy, did you see the Trussard go? That was a banger. Hey, man. I was like, ah, ah, wait up. Hey, <laughs> God. That was ah. a banger. No, 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 no. That was, that was a very good goal. And Fabio Vieira was fantastic, man. Fabio Vieira was fantastic uh, against Everton. And he just showed like that Kai Havertz should actually be on the bench at the moment because he's not doing enough. Like Arsenal are such a good team, man. Ebuka, oh. Ebuka, Ebuka. Let's let's not use the strategy right now of picking a player and making the player the scapegoat because that's what <laughs> that's what the entire world is doing with Kai Havertz right now. But trust me, I watched the game and Fabio Vera was amazing. Like he was. He was so he was so nice to watch. Um, 
on from the middle of the pitch, right? So, but like, let's not say um, Harvest hasn't started well. That doesn't mean Ateta doesn't have a strategy for him, right? Um, yeah, players coming to teams, they need time to settle in. And I'm not, I don't know why I'm defending Havertz, but yeah. I feel you. I feel you. I agree with you. I agree with you. That, that was how I defended Sancho when Sancho joined United. I was always defending him. You can't, you, no, I'm serious. Even so now, you can't, you can't find me criticizing Sancho. I don't know, maybe because Chelsea chased him for so many years, but I feel like there's a player in there, but things are just not adding up. No, because, see, if just to digress, right? Now, United has a culture problem, right? Like, now, we've seen in how many seasons, right? We've seen United players, like, go to the media and complain and talk about how they are being treated unfairly, basically. But we we know that in a Ferguson era, like, players won't dare do that, right? So, right now, it feels like the players have the upper hand and the club, and it's it really goes down to a cultural issue, right? I know, like when I hear how Sancho complains, or when I hear his disdain for Ten Hag, uh, we still go back to last season where um, Ten Hag had to allow him come to the Netherlands here, and he had to train with like Dutch coaches to get his form back. So, like. <sighs> There's a lot going on behind the scenes, right? But Albert, Albert, see, let, let's be honest, right? Ole was not going through this now. Why is it Ten Hag? Is, is it that like he's failing to control? And I'm actually honestly, is it that like he, he's struggling to control that dressing room? Because it seems like there's, there's an article waiting to come, whether it is Greenwood or it's Anthony or it's Ronaldo or it's Sancho. It just seems like there's going to be one article coming soon. There's going to be one issue or the other. Let's just look at how parents play good cop, bad cop, right? The dad is the hard hand and the mom is the soft hand, right? Like, who does the child actually love more, right? Like, they always lean towards the mom, right? Like, oh, she's protecting me. But now we're seeing that, like, if you're comparing Ole and Ten Hag, Ten Hag has more discipline. He has more of the hard hand. Like this is these are things that these players haven't seen in quite a while, right? Like who would have ever thought that Ten Hag would be the one to um, get Ronaldo out of the club, right? Like so we see these things and like players are still adjusting to such form of discipline that they haven't seen in a while. Like I guess if only had an issue with Sancho, there's a chance that he'll just call him to the corner and just sweet talk him, right? And everything will be fine. But like when there's a disciplinary issue that needs to be handled, he handled it, he handled it like a disciplinarian. So which maybe we just need a balance to it, right? Like we just need a balance to it. Like um see the spare the road and spoil the child, right? So yeah, these are these are cultural things that we need to all have a hold of in the United team, and it's causing us lots of problems. Well, it's, I still feel it's down to the manager to get things under control. I hope he can. I hope he can, because as much as it's always fun to banter, at the same time, I want Manchester United to be, you know, in and around those serious conversations because they're a good team. 
and football is a bit more interesting when you the you are competing with your rivals rather than when you are laughing at your rivals. To me, I prefer when if if you know Chelsea, United, Liverpool, Arsenal are battling for the title. It's very interesting. Not that Arsenal and Liverpool are at the top. Chelsea and United are thinking about life at the bottom. Yeah, it's not it's not interesting to me, sure. Yeah, I totally understand, but but yeah, the Premier League gives you a fair chance, right, to let the even teams in the middle of the table to compete with teams at the top of the table. Yeah, yeah, it does, it does, it does. But guy, back to Harvard, yeah, <laughs> because Harvard is where that sparked all of this. So you you still believe that you know there's a player in there and uh, Ateta probably had an idea, blah blah blah. Fine, no wala, but. Don't you think that if he continues like this, then Ateta's patience would would run out, and it, the club will have to make a decision. Like, okay, what's the future? Or do you think that I I either confident in Harvard that he's going to deliver? Because I feel like in the next three months, Ateta will be thinking, yeah, I made a mistake. I think it's too early for a club to make a decision on a player like Harvard right now. I, I think the history of the player that has been so exciting in previous clubs. Trust me, I was jealous when Chelsea got him from Bayer Leverkusen. I was really jealous. I was like, oh my God, how did they pull this off? I think that was when Chelsea actually had a grip on their transfer strategy, right? Um, but right now... I was also shocked to see Arsenal go for um, Havertz, right? But yes, you for certain clubs need to bolster their team. And that is one thing they did. Now, he just needs to learn the Arsenal way. It may take time. It may take a season. Think about it. There was a time... If you look at Pep's strategy, right? So Pep will get a player in Man City and... It takes two seasons for them to actually start playing properly. And if if we liken it to someone like Cancelo, Cancelo started playing regular football in his second season and not even his first season. So, and I think thinking about it, Pep was, um, Ateta was with Pep then, right? So they're like, it's left to the manager to have the patience, right? To see a player grow, right? Um, taking the business out of it and bringing a more empathetic side to it. Yeah, a player might need one, two, or even three seasons to start playing properly and start producing the results that is needed within the team. So I haven't ruled Kai Havertz out totally, like you Chelsea fans have. Not even Arsenal fans. Like I think Chelsea fans are directing the hate to him. Trust me, and but it's still it's, it's fine. It's, it's totally fine. Oh, of course, like you underperform, you you drag the team to twelfth place, and then you run to Arsenal. Like come on. Yeah, but but you know Chelsea did the they actually did more of a clear out right. Yeah, and it was a good deal for us. It was a good deal, good money, and I, I, I don't think he would be making a difference at Chelsea at the moment. So, we did well to cash in. Yeah, just know that you guys wasted lots of those millions, right? 
of, <laughs> of course <laughs> of course because <laughs> i don't know how we've spent so much money and we look worse <laughs> no, no but if you can think about it if i if you sold kai harvest for 70 million right all you need is to add like an extra 30 and just buy a world-class striker no but guy world world-class strikers will still come out flop this thing is not no matter what you buy Edgar, Edgar, trick question. Yeah. Trick question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I want you to ponder this, right? Okay. If our very own Romelu starts popping right now, will you feel bad? No. You know, I'll be very happy if Lukaku pops. And I'll explain why. I need the guy out of my club. So if he pops, then it means people will be interested in him. So you should please. He scored. He scored in the last game for Roma. He should keep it up. Keep scoring. Let the price be reasonable, and he can leave my club, please. Because I, I, I'm, we're all done with Lukaku. We're done with him. So right now, it's not about his abilities. No, it's uh, more of his. It's more of his personality. If he scores fifty goals at Roma, I still don't want him back at Chelsea. Ah, okay. Yeah. I hope you won't bite your words uh, next time I ask you. <laughs> I would so worry. All right, all right, all right. But yes, we've had we've we've had so much exciting conversations about the weekend, right? It's been. If can you find out words for us? Ah well, uh, say that we should look forward to Champions League. Champions League is back, so exciting times for you know the lovers of of Champions League football. Uh, my team isn't there, but. <laughs> Ebka, Ebka, one more thing. Say, who do, who do you think I'm supporting, Bayern or Man United? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think the I think the trick question is, how should I watch that game? <laughs> how should you watch that game? I think how should I watch that game? So to be honest, for some reason, I feel like United can't get the results. To be honest, because. As much as as much as Tommy T is is a good coach, I still have my issues with him. To be honest with you, so I feel like United have a chance to get the to get the draw. And in the in the group chat, there's a there's a bet that is going on right now. Um, between two guys, I don't want to call their names, but they both like I don't know. I just saw messages. There was Ginger. They they transferred money. Like okay. Oh, Thirty k. Somebody was like United win or draw. The other person was like, no, thirty k. United is going to outright lose. I'm like, ah, ah. okay. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I feel like United to get the results. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But yeah, that that's 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 going to be one to watch. So guys, if you have the time this midweek please check out the champions league the europa league and the ufi europa conference league exciting and fun fixtures we get to see arsenal also make their champions league return after what six ish years so it'll be it'll be good to see how they perform at the biggest stage side note i'm a psv fan so (laughs) side note side note i'm a psv fan please get out Please get out. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for sticking with us this long. Uh, Albert and I were just having fun on this one. <laughs>
But yeah, thank you for, for sticking with us. We are the empty stands. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at the empty stands and on Instagram at the empty stands podcast. It's bye for now. Cheers. And look forward to the FPL episode that will drop later on in the week. I would wish you all green arrows in advance for that one. But it's bye for now and have a great week. Thank you, guys. All right. Bye, guys.